Hi, welcome to Table Talk with your host, Jay Wickener. I think we're going to hop right into some uh, scores. The Midwest Pool Players Association had another tournament, and it was held at the Fridley VFW, and uh, kind of a worthwhile cause. The tournament uh, lasted Thursday through Sunday, and uh, Thursday night was for vets and servicemen only, and then Friday was open up to uh, eight ball singles with A, B, and C players. Saturday was a three-man team event, playing eight ball, and Sunday was an open nine ball event. So there was a lot of pool this weekend uh, put on by the Midwest Pool Players Association. I don't have results for the for the vets and service people tournament, but I do have results for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On Friday night, in the A division, first place went to John Farrell, and he earned $300 for his efforts. Second was Jesse Hill, $200. Third belonged to Tyler Stitch, making $180. I'm sorry, $130. Fourth went to Brad Schwalbe at $80. And fifth, sixth was a tie for Ted Berry and Matt Pacer, each earning $40 for their efforts. In the B division, first place of $200 went to Nate Barrett. Second was Eric Madsen, who earned $140. Third went to William Anderson at $90. And fourth was Mike Reed, making $60. In the C division, First went to Roy Patton at $170. Rick Leonard took second, $120. Jamie Warner was third with $80. And Brian Fitzgerald was fourth at $50. There were eight teams that played in the three-man tournament and I do not have results for that, oddly enough. So I have to skip it. In the nine ball singles on Sunday, first place went to Jesse Ingle, $500. Second place, Lee Hewagen made $300, and Jared Schlock made $150. That's the Pro Master AA Division. In the ABC Division, I don't have uh, the payout for the first two, 
but Sonny Limberger and David Renfro look like they uh, were first, second, although I don't know in which order that hasn't been updated yet. Third was Douglas Giron, G-I-R-O-N, $80. And fourth was Jason Schlock at $50. Jason had a good weekend, if I'm not mistaken. So that was the results for the MPA tournament this week at the Fridley VFW. Uh, upcoming tournaments, they have uh, their big one at Black Bear, Black Bear coming up. Uh, it's one of their biggest tournaments. So if you don't have your rooms for those for those uh, for that tournament as yet, it, it's advised that you uh, get your room now. It's going to be Thursday, November twenty seventh, through Sunday, November thirtieth, and this is a ten thousand dollar added tournament. So this one fills out all the time. It is the one to go to. If you need information on it, you can go to the MPA website, which is www.mpapool.com. Once again, www.mpapool.com. And that'll take you to the site and then you can look at the information on Black Bear November 27th through November 30th 10,000 added and as I said this one always fills out so it's the one to go it will be live streamed this year by TV Mike so it could be a chance for you to be on TV also uh, we're real lucky up here in Minnesota that we have so many different tournaments to go to with pretty good added money. In other parts of the country, there's not near the events that we have or the money added that we have. So we're kind of spoiled up here. If you go to any other place in the country, you will not see any of this uh, degree of tournaments and also a degree of skill. Minnesota is real blessed with being a state pocket of many very very good players and grand champions. We haven't turned out a whole lot of pros but Maybe maybe in Minnesota values are a little are a little tough, and we all feel we have to work, and so we all have what's called a working man stroke. I'm going to be taking a break right now, uh, just relax for 30 seconds, and I'll be back. This is Table Talk with your host Jay Wagner. 
Hi there. Welcome back to Table Talk. This is Jay Wagoner hosting the event today. I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about the U.S. Open and Payment. First of all, congratulations to Shane Van Boning. Three years in a row, a three-peat is hard in any sport at any level. And for him to do it at the U.S. Open is absolutely amazing. Congratulations to him. Four-time U.S. Open winner. Now, the only problem is I hope he gets paid. This has been the talk, and it's, it's a shame that, that payment is detracting from what Shane did at that Open. His shooting was superb from what I saw. Uh, and as, as, as I said, it's too bad that the payment discussion has reared its ugly head again. And I thought I would bring it up today because today's the 29th and from what I understand the checks were to be were dated on the 28th I noticed that Mr. Berman then said that all checks could be cashed after 3 o'clock Eastern Time on the 28th which actually means that uh, they won't hit the bank until the 29th so apparently he needed a little extra time or something. Uh, there was a thread on AZ Billiards about whether the open players were getting paid today or not. And it looks like only one person has reported getting paid. And that was Darren Appleton. I think there's a picture with him showing some money. And I hope that to be true. We really haven't heard anything definitive from any players that their check did get paid. I am concerned, though. I did what a couple other people on AZ did. And that was add up supposedly what he paid out and supposedly what was left to pay. Well, my figures showed that he paid out, what he paid out was about 20000 less than what he took in in entry fees. Not talking the added money or anything, but somewhere money from the entry fees apparently disappeared too or needed to be used. Uh, and, and that concerns me like any good business. It's a, it's a really banking on, on hopes for sales or that he couldn't collect rent from the vendors or needed the money from the spectators or needed money from his room that apparently gets busy all the time when, when the U.S. Open happens. And it, it's kind of like he's robbing Peter to pay Paul, and he might be doing that 
for his expenses. With that being said, uh, my understanding is that in previous years when this has happened, that the players did get paid. I don't know of any players to this specific tournament or other U.S. Opens that didn't get paid from the U.S. Open. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but that's my understanding. That being said about the money situation, there is a lot of discussion about whether Barry Berman should continue in his ways of paying and having the tournament or should step down and let somebody else take it over. Well, I think we have a real problem there because as the astute posters pointed out, it's easy to say for him to step down. But who fills the void? If he steps down, there probably is no more U.S. Open to the degree that he puts on the tournament. Yes, the money is a problem every year. Yes, payers get players get paid late. Is that better than having no tournament at all? And, and that should really be the discussion. Is it better that players take a chance and get paid late? Even though I agree that it should never happen. It should never happen. But that's the way it is. To find 50,000 or 75,000 added like he does is huge. I don't know many promoters that could even do that with the exception of one, maybe two. And I don't know how interested they would be in putting on a, a, a tournament of that magnitude without some guarantees. Being a pool promoter is a very risky situation, especially, especially when you're adding that much money. And true, you have to be a little crazy to think you can pull it off. And he does pull it off. Sure, things aren't right and things aren't always perfect, but it happens. And it's something that we have counted on for near 30 years, that it will happen. And he makes it happen. I'm sure if if Mr. Berman ever decides to step down, that he will contact a few people in the industry and see if they want to run it, if they take it over. I just don't think he's ready to step down as yet. Understand that also, if another promoter takes it over, it will be moved. It will no longer be in the location it is. 
only because it makes sense for another promoter to have it in his backyard, wherever that may be. So, uh, it's too bad that Mr. Berman cannot pay off after the tournament. I agree, players should be paid for their work. But, to me, the real question is, is it better to have a late pay tournament or no tournament at all? Now, we on the sidelines, it's easy for us to say, because we're not playing, or we're not going, or our excitement is watching the stream at home. So, we really don't have skin in the game. The ones that can decide are only the players. At one point, players won't show up if they are fed up with the tactics. Once the players don't show, then there will be no U.S. Open. At that point, I'd like to even talk about the entry fee and the limited field. I noticed that we didn't get a full 128. I think it was actually 125 or 124 that ended up playing. Well, even at 750 entry instead of a thousand is a lot of money for players that are known as dead money to enter the tournament. Not everybody has $750 that they can throw away, much less pool players. Backers aren't really going to throw that money in unless they have a reasonable chance of getting some money back. So when we talk about 750 this year and a thousand dollars next year, so what's going to happen next year? Does that mean we're going to do a thousand dollar entry and just lower it to 96 players? Because maybe you can get 96 for a thousand. Or of course, when that doesn't go out, when that doesn't happen, then maybe we'll just lower it to 64 players at a thousand. You know, the problem is that you'll still have the same 10, 15, 20 people that are going to be the cream of the crop and rise to the top. The dead money will learn that they are dead money. When that happens, there won't be a tournament. When the entry was 200 way back when, or $300, dead money could enter the tournament and say they played with the pros and just treat it like a vacation and they had some fun and it was interesting they you know they got to play with the world's best in fact they're hoping for a good draw so they can play with the world's best and and not meet up with other dead money people go throw their dead money in and hope that they can play one good match. 
maybe have one win. If they're really lucky and everything comes together, they might even beat a top 50 player. I don't think that it's a formula for success. Dead money, the way the tournaments are set up nowadays, and it doesn't matter what tournament you're talking about, dead money, people who don't have a chance to win, are necessary to make the prize fund and to make the tournament successful. Break here. I'll be back in just a few. This is Jay Wagner with Table Talk. Welcome back to Table Talk. This is your host, Jay Wagner. I'd like to start this segment off with talking about uh, an important tournament coming up. It involves the North Star Ladies Pool Tour. Tour stop number four will be held Saturday, November 1st at Jimmy's Pro Billiards, 4040 Central Avenue Northeast in Columbia Heights, Minnesota. This is, tournament is open to everybody except the exempt pros from the WPBA, which are the top 32 ranked players in the WPBA. Anybody else is allowed to enter this tournament. If you need information, you can contact the web page. I'm sorry, Facebook page of the NSLPT, North Star Ladies Pool Tour, and contact June Myers or Beth Fondell. The uh, NSLPT has a web a uh, email that is NSLPT dot info at gmail.com once again nslpt dot info at gmail.com the doors open at 11 o'clock signups are from 11.15 to 12 o'clock and the start time is noon this is singles playing nine ball on a nine foot uh, Brunswick and diamond tables. The entry fee is $35 and the tour fee is $10. Green fees are included in the entry fee and you pay at the tournament. You can join the WPBA for a membership fee of $25. That's good for one year. Dress code is casual conservative, which means nice jeans and pants, shirt and shoes. So, Saturday, 
November 1st, the North Star Ladies Pool Tour, stop number four at Jimmy's Pro Billiards, 4040 Central Avenue Northeast, Columbia Heights, Minnesota. So stop in, get your eligibility. This is a great tour. You can qualify to play in the WPBA tournaments and the regional qualifier which takes people from all the different regional tours. I think there's 10 or 12 of them now and they have a big tour. I, I, I guess I shouldn't say. I'm not sure on my information but I do know that they will have a big regional tour event. North Star Ladies Pool Tour. We'll take a little break and I'll be back. I'm your host, Jay Wagoner. I'd like to talk a little bit about the upcoming World Junior Championship in Shanghai this year. It's just a couple weeks away, and I know April had a couple fundraisers and tries to collect money. April Larson tries to collect money most of the year, hoping that she's going. She is going this year, and her and eight other players uh, probably are all having to try to raise money to go. Uh, it's, a, it's a shame that the Billiard Education Foundation, which puts on the National Junior Championship, uh, can't arrange to have funds. I, know that that's a big bite for them. I would like to see them expand their operations to include uh, the junior players expenses. I know that's very difficult. Uh, if there's any way that I can help in doing that, all you have to do is contact me and I'll, I'll try to do what I can to uh, help raise funds. I realize it's short this year, but we should be looking at funds for next year. It's not going to change. We will still have eight or nine people going to World Juniors next year. This should be an ongoing donation, an ongoing pledge that the BEF makes every year for their Junior National players. I'd also like to thank Jeanette Lee and her Black Widow Foundation because they also are helping with fundraising. Uh, as a spokesperson for APA and knowing that APA is also starting a junior league, I'm excited for them to be helping in the BEF cause. And if you'd like to make a donation, uh, 
you can certainly go to the www.blackwidowfoundation.org. Once again, www.blackwidowfoundation.org. And you can make a donation, no matter how big or small, to help with the expenses for the junior players. I have seen this uh, too often, and I would like things to change. I would also like to see some changes in in uh, in what the BEF can do to help expand pool. Certainly they have the pool in school manuals, but there's really no how to do that. How to meet with school boards or how to uh, talk to teachers about it or how to use it as a uh, curriculum decider for other classes, as a learning tool for other classes, much less using it for all those people who cannot play in sports because of physical limitations. Pool is an ideal co-ed sport. If people learn early enough, there's no difference between the sexes. We all know that. And, and it would be nice if there would be support out there for somebody in a situation that really wanted to volunteer and take it upon themselves to try to get pool tables in school. But that's impossible without support. And I would really like to see the BEF or APA both one of those, the Black Widow Foundation, one or both of those work toward providing information and help for presentation to school boards. Not only that, but also in dealing with industry members that can help by donating equipment or at least the beginning equipment. Uh, Apple, Apple computers, Apple paved the way for that. Apple gave all these schools a couple computers. Well, what happened when they actually got big enough to have computer labs? What did they buy? They bought Apple computers. I think the same could be said and possibly happen with tables. We just need a manufacturer to step up and 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 help make it happen, to become part of it. Remember, this is their industry. If they lose players, if they don't have players coming up, if they don't help teach the younger generation how to play, 
then there won't be players or there'll be so few players that they'll have to fold up shop anyway so I guess I'd be asking the industry anybody who's in a position that wants to volunteer to help get it into a school system and have somebody from organized pool and that could even be the billiard congress of america to help make this habit ha happen if it can't happen we won't have the players it should be on everybody who's in this industry it should be on their mind to help support junior players to help teach junior players to help make junior players make pool great. I'm going to take a little break and then I'll be back. This is Jay Wagner with Table Talk. Jay Wagner, your host, and for this segment, we're going to talk about one of my pet peeves, one of my all-time about pool, and that's been developing over the past 10 years or so, and I want to talk about pocket size. You know, the, the, the trend has been to close up pockets, right? Maybe they were 5 inch, and they went down to 4 and 7 eighths, and 4 and 3 quarters, and finally 4 and a half. And now 4 and a half is the, is the size for... Uh, professional tournaments four and a half and that may be fine for professional tournaments although personally I don't think it is to me nine ball has always been a a shoot game it closed up some with the advent of safeties and and actually playing out and out safes. Safeties became better with the advent of the jump cue. And then we have players with such crazy skill nowadays that we have people who don't participate say, well, they should have smaller pockets and smaller pockets and smaller pockets, which maybe is fine for the pros. Although, with the small pockets, I don't even enjoy watching the game. It is boring. It is robot-like. There is no excitement. I would rather see, like in bonus ball, I would rather see him attacking and doing these crazy hard shots because they can make it. 
rather than knowing that the pocket won't take the ball, so they play a safety instead. Now, safety play is increased because uh, of the jump cue. Jump cue is still probably uh, one of the more exciting shots there is. You don't see somebody pushing out in a jump situation and and the player, incoming player pulls out his jump cue and takes it. You know, he gives back that jump shot every time. Rarely have I seen otherwise. So don't tell me that the jump shot is so easy that, you know, it shouldn't even be continued anymore. Jump shot to non-players is the most exciting, exciting shot there is. Well, here we are making pockets smaller and anybody coming into the game just wants to make balls. Don't you remember when you were young? All you wanted to do was make balls. You wanted to go out with your girlfriend or with the girl or with the guys and all you wanted to do was make balls. You didn't care about shape. You didn't care about all that other stuff. Just make balls. Well, you know, it was fine when maybe just the pros had the smaller pockets. But somewhere along the line, many room owners decided small pockets were better also. Well, pretty soon the couple that never plays comes in and they hit some balls and they're done pretty quick. Because guess what? The pockets are small, even at four and a half inches, and they can't make the balls. I still contend that Valley Pool Tables did more for pool than almost any other advent in the industry. Valley Pool Tables allowed players to make the ball. That's all that we wanted to do. I know I hear the argument. Well, that's no fair to the good players because anybody can win on a bar box. Well, you know, I hear that argument. And yes, it does happen that there's upsets. But usually when there's an upset, it's because the better player did not play up to their expectations, or the lesser player just simply made less mistakes. The mistakes are what it's about. When you talk about short races and we look at the Moscone Cup, it's very simple. It's not about rolls and luck and all that stuff. It's simply that the European players make less mistakes than the American players. Alright? So if we equate that to the valley tables or any table with bigger pockets, at least I feel like I'm in the game because I'm making the ball. Now, there's more than just making the ball, but that's playing shape also. And there's more shots by having a big pocket. There's more shots you are able to complete by having a big pocket than by having a small pocket. You can't do 
slam jam shots on a small pocketed table. They bobble every time almost. So you always have to play your speed <coughs> and an angle. But remember, pockets bring people into the game. You know, it's funny because we have a different mindset now than we did a while back, 20 years ago. People want instant gratification for everything, which means if we're giving that instant gratification, we have a pocket size that people can make balls on. That's the gratification. From there, they might learn more about the game. They might continue the game because we all kind of get wrapped up in the click of the balls and the sound it makes going into the pocket and how good we felt when we made that ball. And we need to get that feeling back. But if you can't make a ball where it's very difficult or they bobble in the pocket, you're not going to be with the game very long. <coughs> Excuse me. So consequently, I'm all for big pockets at all times and let's just make less mistakes. The cream always rises to the top. There are some upsets along the way, but we can look at any of the big pocket tournaments with valley tables and everybody expects these, you know, well, because they're playing on valleys and, and, and uh, the pros are playing, you know, they're going to run 11 and out all the time. You know, I think a, a four bears tournament put that to rest with valley tables and I think, uh, well, with... Shane was in the tournament and Corey was in the tournament and other top players were in the tournament and I think the biggest run was four racks. So don't tell me that uh, it doesn't happen. It's all about who makes least mistakes. Yes, the better player has to play better, but that's true of everything the better player always has to be ready to play better. So I really urge people to think about pocket size. I urge owners to think about pocket size. If you want to get people back into the game, think about pocket size. If you want to get new people in the game, think about pop pocket size. Let's let people make balls again. With that little rant and rave, I'm done for this week. Thank you for listening to Table Talk. If you'd like to contact us uh, for any reason at all, our email is w. I mean, I'm sorry, is the number one one Table Talk at gmail.com. Once again, the number one Table Talk at gmail.com
So you have a good week. I'll talk to you next time we're on. Thank you. Jay Wagner with Table Talk.